Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. To celebrate the release of my new book of devotions on Ephesians for the next little while here on the podcast, I'm going to be releasing talks through the entire book of Ephesians. These talks have been preached in church services, on camps, and in other contexts, and some of them are as old as 2015, some as recent as 2022. Some have been on the podcast before, and some of them are brand new. If you like the talks, hopefully you'll love the devotions. There are 40 days of readings, and they'll take you through the entire book of Ephesians. You can order the book now by heading to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoy the talk. Hey there, podcast listeners. Just a quick note. This recording that you're about to listen to was first done in April 2022 at a house party that I did, but there were some audio issues for the first few minutes. So I've taken the opening illustration from a different sermon that I did and dropped it in, and then we move into the majority recording. And you'll notice that the connection's a little bit off, the pacing and you know audio quality is a little bit different, but hopefully you get the picture and it all makes sense. Just wanted to explain that so you're not thrown off. All right, have fun. My dad, when uh, I was young, he would travel a lot for work and he was an engineer. I didn't quite understand what that meant. I just thought that he would probably go to work sites with a hard hat on and point at things and that was his job. And uh, he traveled all over the world being an engineer. And as he, uh, as he did this, uh, I was not that concerned about exactly what was going on because actually what I was excited about is that whenever he got back from a trip, uh, he would have a gift for me and for my older sister and my younger sister. And so when he got home, I would run up to him excited, pretending I was excited that he was home, but really I was just waiting for the main event when he would open up his bag and he would pull out the gifts that he had for us as he returned from his trip. Now, most of the gifts were not very good as far as I remember. Like none of them stick out. I think they were probably like tourist pencils with like pictures of London on them or a snow globe or something like that. These days when my parents travel, uh, they come back pretty much always with socks for me. Uh, So I'm wearing some socks at the moment that my parents gave me uh, just so they could say that in this sermon right now. I am wearing them. (laughs) Uh, but, but it was always exciting to get these gifts. And my, my returning engineer father would give me gifts from his travels. Well, Jesus is one who, as he returns from his trip, that we descended from heaven to earth. And here on earth, he lived a life of perfection, showing us how to live. And he went up against the powers of sin and evil in this world. And he defeated them in his death and resurrection. So Jesus conquered uh, Satan, sin, and death. He's made a mockery of them at the cross, and he is returning to heaven. And as he returns to heaven, he is giving out gifts to his people, giving out gifts to the church. And so what, is it, what are these gifts that Jesus gives? They are not socks. They are not snow globes. Uh, they are not pencils. Uh, but we see what they are. It says, he, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we are given the gifts of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers so that uh, the church might be able to achieve what it is being sent out to achieve. Uh, if you have seen Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, or you've read the books, The Fellowship of the Ring, there is uh, a scene where uh, all the fellowship have gone into uh, to Lothlorien, where there is, uh, which is uh, elven uh, forest, and they've spent some time there resting, and then they're about to, to leave to continue on their quest. And as they go to continue on their quest, Galadriel, the, the beautiful elf, she gives them all different gifts. And these are gifts that are going to be useful for their journey ahead. Uh, Frodo, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the most famous hobbit, uh, he gets given uh, a, a vial of uh, water which contains uh, the light of Arundel, I think. I'm trying to, I should have written these all down so that if there's any nerds, they don't get angry at me. But... Uh, Here's a, it's for a light in dark times. And then there is, uh, there is uh, uh, what Gimli, the, the uh, dwarf, he's given some strands of hair from Galadriel because he just finds her so beautiful. Uh, Samwise Ganji, he's given an elven rope, which is very useful when they start having to scale walls so they can go and destroy the one ring of power. They are given Lambus bread so that they can, they can take one bite of it and they are uh, satisfied. Uh, these are all gifts that are given to them. Uh, there's a few more gifts that are given, but I won't list them all because, um, you know, I don't remember them. Uh, and, but they're all gifts that are given to them so that they can complete their mission. Uh, they're all going to come in handy at different points during their, their quest to destroy the one ring. And this is what Jesus does for us. He is like Galadriel. He's giving us gifts and they're not just trinkets. So we go, oh, that's very nice. But he has a mission for us. And so the mission is uh, primary in what we are to do in the world. And so he gives us gifts so we can complete that mission. And so the gifts that we find, they are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Now, this is a little bit different. These gifts are a little bit different from the spiritual gifts that we read about in other parts of the Bible. So when you read, say, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where we have the spiritual gifts, where you're given the gifts of maybe uh, prophecy or healing or generosity or administration of any of those things, these are individual gifts that are given to us so that we might use these spiritual gifts to build up the church. But these gifts that Jesus gives are not gifts given to us as individuals, but they are individuals given to us as the church. Does that make sense? Yes. So the people themselves are the gift. Now, the people who have the gift will have the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about elsewhere, uh, but the people themselves are the gift for us so that we can become the church that we are meant to be, so that we can live in the unity that we have been given in Jesus. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time figuring out who these people are. You might have heard people talk about the five-fold ministry. 
Uh, this is the idea that in every church that we need to have uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We need to have a good uh, mix of all five of them if the church is to function well. Uh, and, and people say, well, we have a lot of pastors and teachers, uh, so we're doing pretty well on the pastor-teacher front, uh, but we're not doing very well on the apostles, prophets, and evangelists front, the, the apes, the A-P-E. So we say, we need more apes in the church, uh, which uh, sounds dangerous to me, uh, but also would make services much more exciting, I think. Um, but I think it means, uh, like, that's a, good, that's a way that we can think about it, but I'm not exactly sure that that's what Paul is saying here. Because we see uh, that he starts off with the apostles and prophets, and this is not the first time that he talks about apostles and prophets in Ephesians. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, I think, no, not 18, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, uh, or 19 and 20, it says this, <clears throat> Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so what Paul is saying here is that uh, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. These are the capital A apostles and the capital P prophets. The apostles being the ones who had a relationship with the risen Christ and were sent by Jesus to share the good news and be witnesses to the resurrection. And by telling people about who Jesus is and what he had done, they established uh, what was the truth of who Jesus was. And so they were, apostle meaning sent one, they were sent by Jesus so that the world would know who Jesus is and they could establish the New Testament scriptures, what is New Testament Orthodox faith, and to start new churches so that the Christian movement could continue uh, out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was the role of the apostles. But we don't have capital A apostles around anymore. Uh, they, we don't have people who have had encounters, physical encounters with the risen Christ. Uh, and so uh, that role of capital A apostles, that's done. Then we have the prophets. And the prophets that Paul is talking about here are the Old Testament prophets. These were the ones who shared the Word of God, uh, who shared what God was doing and what He was up to, and established uh, uh, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant faith, and prepared the people for the arrival of Jesus. And so he's saying there's the Old Covenant and there's the New Covenant, and these people did the work that God gave them to do so that uh, the church could be established. And so there isn't capital A apostles anymore and there aren't capital P prophets anymore. But that doesn't mean that there aren't people who have roles like prophets and roles like apostles. So I think there are still roles of apostleship and still roles of prophets in the church today. Uh, but it's not, I don't think that's exactly what Paul is saying here. I think we just need to keep in mind that the first thing he's saying is that, we need, that we've been given the gift of the apostles and the prophets so that the church might be established. But we also should make sure that we are encouraging people who have the role of apostleship in the church today and encouraging those people who have prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So let's spend a little bit of time thinking about what they might look like in the church. First, we have the apostles. 
Now, these are the people, the apostles, uh, people who have been sent by God, and they're, they're often people who are really good at starting new things. They're keeping their eye out. So what might God be up to? Where might God want to start a new, uh, a new ministry? Um, I go to a church in Melbourne, Mary Creek Anglican Church is the name of the church, and it was a church that was planted about nine years ago by our senior minister. Started this church uh, because he saw that God wanted to do something new uh, in Melbourne. Before that, uh, he had started a new ministry from the church that he was working in, uh, and he started a new ministry doing ministry in schools. And so he would, he would go into schools and help the young people to start lunchtime Christian groups, and they do seminars and stuff. And so that ministry got going and is still running in Melbourne, and so like, then he moved on to the next thing, which was planting our church. Now our church is established, so he's moving on to the next thing, which is planting another church within, within our church network. He, I'm pretty sure, has the gift of apostleship because he's seeing what God is doing and he's starting new things. And so it's worth keeping our eye out. Who are the people in this church who can see new things and can start new things and can start new ministries? And it doesn't have to be as big as starting a, a big ministry that stretches across the whole city or starting a new church. It could be about starting a new small ministry in this church, starting a small group or starting an outreach to, to young families or, or starting something where you, an outreach to people in retirement homes. Who knows what they are? They're, who are the people who are looking around saying, what are the new things that God is doing? Keep your eyes out for them so that you can encourage them and make the most of them as a gift to you from Jesus. Then there are, there are the prophets. Now, the role of a, being a prophet is not about foretelling the future. Like you, they, they sit down and their eyes glaze over and they tell you, well, the world's going to end in 23 days. I mean, if they do that, like that's... I mean, you should ignore it until the world does end. He's like, well, they were right, and here we are. We're all dying. But, but, in, but actually, the role of the prophet is to be able to share the Word of God and, and have supernatural insight into what God might be doing and what God might be saying. Now, if you look at the Old Testament prophets, they would go around, they would preach, and they would tell people what God was doing, and they would call people to repentance and faith, and nobody liked it. They all hated the prophets. So who are the people? church who you hate the most. <laughs> but the prophets are probably the people who they have insight into what God is doing uh, and they will tell you. And sometimes they will make you very uncomfortable. They're the people who say, this is what I think God is saying. They will call you to repentance. They will call you to faithfulness and you will get annoyed at them. But then you'll go away and you're like, I, I'm pretty sure they're right. And so who are those people and how can you make sure that you are listening to them? And maybe it means that you, when they, I mean, just individually, if they speak to you and you hear from them, uh, that you are able to take the time to step back and then reflect on what they said when you're not so annoyed about what they said. But they might have a larger insight, not just into individual lives, but into the, the life of the whole church, or a, a bigger insight into what's going on in the culture and how this church can be responding, or how the broader church can be responding. If there are people who have that kind of insight, we need to be making the most of them because they're a gift to us from Jesus. The next ones we have are the evangelists. 
And these are the people who have the ability to share the good news of Jesus and people respond in faith. Uh, I am someone who would love to have that gift. It'd be great to be able to share about Jesus and people become Christians. The first time I ever did an evangelistic sermon, uh, it was here in this church. Uh, it was uh, actually there because the church was facing this way when, when I was around, but then someone moved it, which is fine. A prophet, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, was, I remember I did, this, I did this, this talk and I told them the good news of Jesus and what he had done and how he died and rose again and people, I called people to put their faith in him. And then I said, if anyone wants to become a Christian, why don't you come down the front? We're going to sing a song and while the song's on, why don't you come down the front? And I'm going to be there down the front and I will pray with you so you can put your faith in Jesus. And so then I went and I stood down the front. I was standing like just over there. And as I was standing there, I kept my eyes closed and my hands out. And I was, I was just waiting. And I was like, I'm not going to peek. I'm just going to trust that people are going to come. And I'm like, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to peek a little bit. I looked. No one had turned up. And so I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll trust Jesus. That people will come. We kept singing. And then I opened my eyes again. Oh, no, no one's there yet. And I was like, that's okay. And then, uh, and then we got onto the second song. Still no one came. And then, and then an old man came and stood next to me. And I was like, someone has become a Christian. And he leaned over and said in my ear, don't worry, you are sowing seeds. I was like, I don't want to sow seeds. <laughs> I want to harvest. That's what I want. Well, thankfully, since then, I have got the opportunity to share about Jesus up the front and people do become Christians. I don't know if I've got better at it or Jesus has just decided to, do, to work through it more. Probably it's a, a mix of both. Um, but uh, I have found, though, that even though I get to stand up the front and share about Jesus and sometimes people respond, uh, that actually uh, the real work of the evangelist is not about the upfront stuff, but it's about the stuff that's happening in one-on-one -on -one relationships. Like when I stand up the front and I talk about Jesus and people become Christians, I don't think ever it has been that someone has walked in off the street, heard me talking about Jesus and said, I'm going to become a Christian. Now, if people were doing that, then I would probably have the gift of evangelism. Uh, but people don't do that. But the people who do respond are the people who have had friends say to them, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to this camp with me? Why don't you come to this conference with me? Uh, the they're the people who have been praying for their friends again and again and again. They're the people who have been sitting down with their friends and saying, let me tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about what he has done for me. And, and people come with them, come to church with them. They, they listen to them about Jesus and then they respond when they're given a chance to, to respond to the gospel. When I try that, when I say to my friends, do you want to come to church with me? They're like, no, I don't. <laughs> Or I say, come to church and listen to me preach. And they're like, all right, I'll come. And like, what did you think of my preaching? Like, yeah, it was nice. And they, nothing happens. I have a friend who I've been telling about Jesus for years. And he'll say to me, oh, I've got this issue in my life. And I'm like, well, you know, you know what you should do? You should become a Christian. Yes, I'm not going to. He said that so many times. Like, oh, my goodness. The evangelists, they'd be like, you should become a Christian. I'm like, I will. They're also... They're annoying to go to coffee with. Do not go to coffee with an evangelist because you'll be sitting there at the coffee table and then the, the wait person will come up 
And they'll be like, can I help you with anything today? Like, yeah, you can help me by telling me what's going on in your life. And they're like, well, you know, my boyfriend just broke up with me and I'm feeling a bit down. It's like, yeah, yeah, are you, were you putting all your hope in, in your relationship with your boyfriend? They'll be like, yes, I was. Like, you know where you should put your hope? In Jesus. And I'm like, I should, yeah. Like, Come to church. And they're like, okay, I'll see you there. And then people turn up. I've had people in my church who like they regularly become like, this is so-and-so. I just met them at the coffee shop. This is so-and-so. I met them at the supermarket. This is so-and-so. I just saw them on the street and invited them in and here they are. There are people with these gifts. And if there are these people with these gifts in your church, you need to make the most of them, to use them so that people will become Christians because God has given them the gift of evangelism and God has given them as a gift of evangelism to you as the church. And then we have the pastors and teachers. Now, often we might think of this as the pastors and the teachers, but that's not what's going on here in the passage. If you look, there is the pastors and teachers, because that goes together. In the Bible, when there's ever anyone whose job it is to, uh, to be a leader, they're always called to be people who are able to teach. And so if you're a pastor, you must be able to teach. Now, there are people, plenty of people who can teach who shouldn't be pastors, so teaching and, and pastoring can be disconnected, but pastoring and teaching should not be disconnected. Because if ever you're going to lead God's people, if you're ever going to help God's people uh, to know Him better, to be faithful to Him, if you're ever going to do that work of caring for Jesus' sheep, then you have to be able to teach them in the Word of God. Now, it doesn't mean that every pastor has to be a great preacher. Great people who are good pastors can be okay preachers, but they faithfully teach the Word of God. But they can be also people who apply the Word of God in their one-on-one conversations or apply the Word of God when they're leading a small group. And so we need to keep eyes out for who are those people who have the gift of leading God's people and are able to faithfully teach the Bible. If you have a pastor who is also teaching, but they do not faithfully teach the Bible, then they will lead the sheep astray. And so the pastors and the teachers, they go together. And so you've got to keep your eye out for who these people are. Now, as you keep your eye out in this church, it's not just the people who are on staff. And we can, I mean, that should be pretty clear because there aren't five people on staff here at St. Stephen's, but there are plenty of people here who have these gifts, I'm pretty sure. And they don't have to be the big gifts. It's not like the evangelist has to leave 100 people to Jesus every year. It might just be that they're doing it in ones and twos uh, over, over a few months or a few years. That you just see that they've got this quiet ministry, and so you make the most of them. That the pastors and teachers, uh, those people do not have to be people who are paid on staff. It could just be that they have a great ministry of leading small groups or coming alongside people and, and doing mentoring or reading the Bible with them. They don't have to be paid by the church to do these things. Often they are not. Uh, but still they are there for the church so that the church can be what it was meant to be. And so they are uh, the, the five people or the five gifts that are mentioned there, or the four gifts if you put pastors and teachers together. Or the, you know, if we leave the apostles and prophets out because they're the old, you know, the, you know they're, they're gone now, then we're just down to 2.5 maybe. Anyway, 
All these people are gifts to us from Jesus. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we must do is, if they are gifts, we must make the most of these gifts. We must use the gifts. Uh, I uh, had a backpack uh, that I was using for a while, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty good backpack. I didn't buy it. My wife bought it for herself, but she didn't like it, so I started using it. But I had this kind of fake leather thing on, on the bottom of it, and, uh, and then the fake leather started wearing off. And then one day I went for a walk and I was wearing a white T-shirt and it was a hot day and I started sweating. And then the fake leather kind of rubbed off on my back. And then I got a big brown stain on the back of my white shirt. And I was like, all right, I am done with that backpack. I need a new backpack. And so I put that backpack aside for years. And then eventually at Christmas uh, this year, or last year, my parents said to me, what would you like for Christmas? like, a backpack. And they're like, we would love to get you a backpack. So they bought me a backpack. It's over there. It's very good. It's got a lot of pockets. If you want to visit it later, you can. I'll let you say hello. (laughs) But the other day, I think it was like last week, I was just transferring stuff from my old backpack to my new backpack. And I was, you know, pulling all the stuff out that was in there. There was a lot of stuff in there. There were a lot of pens in there. There was, you know, a, a, a lot of Tic Tacs. One, one day I decided to buy Tic Tacs and I ate three of them and then left the rest in my bag. There was a lot of Tic Tacs flying around in my bag. Old books. And there, was, there was an umbrella. That's exciting. Uh, you know, you'd think you'd need it in Melbourne, but I, did, I don't that much. But um, should have sent it up here as an aid package. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I also then put my, my hand in the, the front thing and I pulled out the, a, a garbage bag that was clean. I don't know why I had it. Why did I have a garbage bag in there? I don't know. Uh, but I had a garbage bag, but stuck to the garbage bag was some blue tack. Also, don't know why. And then stuck to the blue tack, there was a pen. That was interesting. And also stuck to the blue tack, there was a gift card. I was like, a gift card? This is great. And I pulled the gift card off and it was for $100 at David Jones. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, think how much all the things that I could buy at David Jones for $100. And then I looked and it expired in 2018. I think of all the things I could have bought in 2018. I don't, know what, I don't know what people bought in 2018, like horse feed. I don't know. I could have bought that. It would have been fun, but I, I didn't. It just stayed there. It was a completely useless piece of plastic because I didn't use it. I forgot that it was there. And there are people in this church who are gifts to this church, and you haven't identified what their gifts are. They might not have identified that they are a gift to the church. Or, or maybe they have. Maybe they are the prophets and they've been saying things, and, pe- and, and people have been like, I don't want to hear what you're saying. Or they're, they've got a new ministry, and, and people say, like, why don't we try this? And people are like, no, that's not the thing that we're doing. We don't do it that way. I don't know. I'm not saying because I know what happens in this church. I'm just saying that I know because I know what happens in a lot of churches. So who are the people who are the gifts to you from Jesus? And how can you make the most of them so that you use those gifts? Because as you use the gifts, you'll be able to be the church that you were made to be. You have to go find them. Do like an Easter egg hunt, but do it for people. See if you can find the the people and make the most of them. Put the apostles to work. Listen to the prophets. When the evangelist brings someone to church, welcome them and love them. And when you find pastors, teachers, Get them leading and get them teaching so that this church might be what it was meant to be. 
So what is the church meant to be? Well, we see this, that their job is to equip his people for works of service. That's the first thing they're meant to do. So we sometimes like having the people who are really talented and, and gifted people in the church because it makes our church better. We just have a better church and we have a better time at church because we've got so many gifted, talented people at church. That's nice, but that's not what these people are here for. I have all my life, pretty much, all my life wanted to have big muscles for no reason other than I think it looks cool. Like, I, for somehow, Instagram has figured out that this is one of my secret desires. Not that secret, because I, I just talked about it in front of all of you. And if you've listened to my sermons over 20 years, it comes up pretty regularly. But Instagram's figured that out. So when I look through my pictures on Instagram, there's regularly things of, of very muscly men like this. And I'm like, I don't want to see this. And they're like, but how big are his muscles? Wow, they're impressive. And then there's things about how to get big muscles, like, you know, do, you know lift these weights and do these push-ups and, and you know, you know all, these, and all these things. And there's lots of images of people, muscle groups, and they're, you know, highlighted in red or green. And then you see transformations of a man who used to be fat and then he was very, very muscly. And I'm like, that could be me. And the reason why I want the muscles is just so I look good. I want to walk around and people are like, wow, that guy's got big muscles. When I do my teeth, I'm like, and then I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, look at that arm. That's amazing. It's like one angle that makes me look like I'm buff. And so I like to do my teeth quite a lot. And, but but it's, only, it's only about me feeling good about myself and other people seeing me and being impressed with me. It's not so that I can lift heavy things. I'm not like I want big muscles so I can be a removalist for people who don't have big muscles or so I can open jars for people who can't open jars. I'm not looking for the weak in the world so I can use my abs just to, I don't know what you use abs for. <laughs> I don't do that. I just, I just want it for me. And often when we, when we are a church that is a church that is gifted by God with people who are able to do these things, we can do it just for us so that we feel great, that we have a good church to go to, that we have a church that starts new things, that has insightful things to say, where people are coming to know Jesus and where our pastors care for us and teach the Bible really well. And we love our church because of that. But that's they are good byproducts, but that's not what they are there for. They are gifted to us for works of service so that we as a church can go out. You can go to the people of Belrose and French's Forest and Forestville and, and the, the wider beaches. And if you want to go in the other direction, you could even make it to Terry Hills and St. Ives if you want to. <laughs> it is possible. But you can do these things you have these people so that you can reach out to do the works that Jesus has placed before you. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses, uh, well, verses 1 to 10, it's that famous one about being not saved uh, by works, but by faith. And it finishes uh, by saying this, for it is by, this is from verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not by yourself, from yourselves. It is a gift from, of God. Not by works, so that no one could boast, for we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
The good, these are the good works that we are to do. We were saved so that we might find the good works that Christ has placed before us. And we might transform the lives of the people who are not here. So the people who don't know Jesus would know him. So the people who uh, do not have a voice would be spoken for. For the people who are being abused might be protected. So the people who are experiencing hardship might be cared for and welcomed in the community. That's what you are here for, to go to God's world and to be God's people in this world. Uh, the, we should speed up now because we've only got a little bit uh, left to do. It says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, so that's the next thing that these people are do. It's for building you up. And it's not to build them up. So the gifts of these uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers is not for their sake. And we can be people who uh, get caught up on the celebrity Christian train. And it's very easy to get caught up in the celebrity Christian thing. Uh, I do it myself. Uh, I have my own favorite celebrity Christians who I'm really excited about to like, hear what they have to say, to listen to their sermons, to see them if they ever come to Australia, to read their books. And uh, we can start building people up to be the celebrities because if we feel good to be in the same in proximity with these people who are Christian celebrities and then to say, well, we're the church with this person who's very good at this thing. But that's not what it's about. These people are gifts to us so that all of us might be built up. The whole church might be built up together. And so instead of elevating the person, uh, use them so that the whole church might be build up, built up. And if we're people who value humility and gentleness and patience, then we'll encourage these people to be working in, uh, in love as they use these gifts and the church will be built up. And then in verse 13, we see this, until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we make the most of these gifts, we will be made mature. As we make the most of these gifts, unity will, will grow in the church. Because instead of everyone trying to do their own thing, or everyone following just one particular person, together, the, those, of us who, those people who lead the church uh, will be able to lead the church in unity, lead the church into maturity. And it's a mature, unified church that grows in the fullness of Jesus. Instead of following uh, your own thing, you follow those that Christ has given. And then the church can be what it was meant to be. Uh, and when we get this, we get the fullness of Christ. Jesus didn't come just to save us and then to leave us alone. He didn't come and die and then rise again and say, well, I'll see you when you make it up to heaven. No, he came die and to rise again so that we might be transformed and so that we might transform the world and more people might come to know him. He defeated sin and death. He ascended to heaven and he has given us these gifts to use. Uh, they are, this is not that Jesus is going to be angry at us and be like, why didn't you use my gifts that I gave us? Like if you give someone a birthday present and they don't use it, you don't get angry at them. Or if you do, you should 
change how you respond to them, but you can be maybe a bit disappointed because you gave them this gift. Or maybe you should be like, oh, well, maybe I need to pick a better gift. But you know that Jesus knows perfectly what gifts he has to give. And if he knows the perfect gift, then we need to make the most of it because it is the perfect gift to us as God's people, for you as God's people right here in Belrose to be the people and the church you are meant to be so that the world might know Jesus better. And in unity and maturity, you might be changing the lives of those beyond this building so they might be here and together with all of us in eternity. How about I pray for us? And uh, then we get a break for morning tea. So that's exciting. Father God, we thank you uh, that you are a God who gives us good gifts. We thank you for the greatest gift of Jesus, uh, that he was willing to uh, give all of himself for us. I pray that we'll be a church who make the most of the gifts that we have been given. I pray for St. Stephen's, that St. Stephen's will be seeking out the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and be making most of those gifts so that all of us, everyone here, might grow in maturity, might grow in unity, and St. Stephen's would be the church that you want it to be. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you love Jesus just that little bit more. If you want to get your hands on the Ephesians devotions, then head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash Ephesians. There you can also find my other books, videos, and plenty of other stuff. So feel free to check it out. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.